This is the Alpaca Podcast for all things alpaca. If you're an owner, a soon-to-be owner, a want-to-be owner, or are just alpaca mad or love the fleece, welcome to the Alpaca Tribe. I'm Steve Hetherington. Hi, Steve here, and welcome to the podcast for alpaca people. You know who you are, you've been noted, and thank you for being here. Isn't it great when you meet a kindred spirit, someone who gets alpacas, like you do? Often we have worn out people's generous ears as we go on about details they're simply not that interested in. Well, you need to know that we are definitely interested here. So, I know I'm biased. Heart and mind, caught by my alpacas. Besotted. That's the word for it. Besotted. Anyway, welcome. You have to admit that alpacas are unique animals. Similar, but so very different. And just when you think you know what to expect, they catch you out. This week was our last round of supervised pen matings. When you do something a number of times, it knocks the corners off and irons out the kinks. So it was pretty slick, moving and setting up the catch pen in just the right place, positioned so, depending on which hurdle I moved, it let the female into the pen while holding back the male in the small stable. Breakfast had been distributed, delivered and finished. So I got the girls all into the stable. And what was that traffic jam in the doorway all about? There's plenty of room for them all, but some reluctance. I left out a few I knew I didn't need, and quickly added the easy ones. Millie, matriarch and clear-minded Millie, stood by the wrong gate. Well, she really, really wanted to go a different field. You kept us in that boring field yesterday. I want to go this way. (laughs) She's very clear about what she wants. I checked my list and started sorting the girls into not this year and yes, you have to see the boys again. I used the ones which Marty McGee referred to when we talked camelid dynamics a couple of weeks back. They are so useful when doing the initial training and being able to use them with a catch rope to lower stress levels as you get them familiar with being connected and being controlled without being restrained. In this case, it allows me to reach into the knot of females, all trying to remain unseen and not involved up at one end of the stable. I can feed the wand in and between heads and necks to turn the selected female and gently encourage her down to the door and into the pen. It's just a question of being in her eye line and moving her. It's it's not used as a, a stick to move them in that sense. It's just a way of extending my reach, making my arms very much longer. So I can gently encourage them down to the door and into the pen. Make it easy for them to choose your route. Needs a bit of thought, but if you can make them think that they thought of it, it's so much the better. Some need more patience, but for Shonid, our lovely bay, I needed a new strategy. She has reverse gear and employs it as soon as I get anywhere near her, and she backs herself into me at a rate of knots and digs her metaphoric heels in. She has got 
quite good at this and I have to be very careful just where my leg and particularly my knee is positioned because it really doesn't bend that way, thank you. I talked nicely to her and tried multiple routes and a bit of hip-checking nudges, all resulting in reverse, 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 without the use of warning lights, I might add. I finally decided I needed a different strategy and came up with a six-foot hurdle. Luckily, one was spare, so I blocked her and directed her and manoeuvred and finally got her by the door and into the pen. Wonderful. Very pleased with myself. I closed her in the pen and then let the boy out. Howell was really keen and set to ogling his way around the outside of the catch pen. No doubt here at all that he was really ready and willing, and Shonid, well, (laughs) was having none of it, so I got sprayed. Spit off clarity, if ever there was. Poor old Howell was somewhat disappointed and not too keen to go back into his stable. The trouble is, he's very good at what he does and did such a great job the first time round that most of his partners spit with great gusto and he doesn't get to have a a follow-up mating. Howell's the top male, so he can't really be left with the others, the other males, without them fighting and probably drawing blood. So he had a halter and lead popped on and I walked him back up the hill to the boys' field. He's so gentle and needs the lightest of signals to keep him moving in the right direction. Back at home base, he had a half a scoop of food as a treat and a thank you. And I closed the gate and left him there until I could bring the others up. Back to the rest, I worked through the males one after the other, with most being spat at, or at least run away from. As I finished with each one and juggled the small groups so that I could safely feed them back into the larger field, where they can get far enough away from each other to not get too fractious. When I bring them down first thing in the morning, Howell is stood by the gate. He completely gets the mating season and understands the noises of hurdles being moved and he doesn't go far from the gate, so he comes straight down. The others, well, they wander off to the top of the hill to feed in the morning sun. However, at least a month in, they know to come running down when I call, so with the right gates propped open, they take themselves down to where they need to be, where the girls are. Occasionally, they get into a bit of a scuffle and a chase and a wrestle until I can sort them into their safe groupings and put Howell away by himself. All round, quite successful. And some treble spits and a couple of singles leaves us slightly less sure until we can do a scan in a couple of months' time. But we've got a range of them which we expect to be pregnant. Nona... Um, she's on the year off list. A slightly older girl, she deserves a rest, but she seemed to disagree with me and refused to leave the stable when I was trying to get them sorted. And she was sat, rooted to the ground. I don't quite know what they do, but they make themselves somehow heavier or, or more prone to gravity or something. And it's very difficult to get them to, to actually get up and move and get into the right place. So after a little juggling and gentle lifts, we got her out of the door. There's always next year. This is the kind of noise they all made.
not very happy with the thought of me bringing the boys down again, a kind of preemptive spit-off murmuring. One particular talker was Betsy. She went on and on and got louder and louder. I assumed she was maybe keen as she kept coming to the doors and checking out the boys. When it was finally her turn, more to quieten things down than anything else, I brought her out and she made a clear spitting statement. And I realised she had been saying, there's been some mistake. I'm not supposed to be here, you know. I don't understand. I, I can't be near those boys. No, no, not at all. They all forgave me quite quickly in the end. The boys accepted there was nothing doing and let me take them back up the hill for an early lunch. While the girls were happy to be released to get it out and by the side of the lake again. It's one of their favourite spots. In the evenings they will all trail off away from the stable and spend the night out on the bank in the cool where they can see their beloved stars. I'm convinced they're definitely stargazers by nature, alpacas. They just love to be out, unless it's tipping down with rain, which it is tonight. The weather forecaster commented that autumnal weather is very much in control now. Still, tomorrow we are promised a little bit of sun before the rain returns. Season change, with its peppery smells and amazing colours. A bit like the alpacas, really. Distinctive smells and amazing colours. And the fleece is definitely growing. Thanks for being here. See you again soon. This is the Alpaca Tribe, and I'm Steve Hetherington. Have a great day.